How you guys doing? Nice. Well, hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. One time. I'm not going to say it again. So I'm the pastor here. If it's your first day, you're in for a treat, I think. Look at that graphic. Isn't that cool? You're in the midst of a series called Sincerely God. And uh, we're talking about what God has to say about you. Did you know that God says stuff about you? That he has thoughts about you, feelings about you? And... Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to look into that. But before we do that, last week we talked about what? God what? How does he feel about you? Nobody listened to the entire sermon. He loves you. Yeah, simple thing. Looking right at you, Brandon. I was just looking for some affirmation. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, God loves you, right? Seems simple, but we forget that a lot. And everything about the Bible, everything that motivates God is uh, motivated off his love for us. See, a lot of you in the room, and I'll say this because many sermon within sermon, you've heard that too many times, so it doesn't have any meaning anymore, and that's a bummer, because uh, then, the, then it just becomes religion, and religion doesn't have life, and it's just, it's not fun, so God loves you, that's a real thing, but today, we're going to talk about something different, but I need help, now listen, before you raise your hand, um, I need, <laughs> I'm prefacing, because I'm already laughing at what's going to happen, I need so who here would say, you know what, I need help organizing my wallet and or purse. Okay, literally, most, most, no one, everyone, you are, who's just afraid of what I'm going to do? That makes more sense, yeah. Who would raise their hand if, they, if I wouldn't call them and they just know, okay, yeah, that, that helps me. Uh, I don't want to do this. Drew, I don't know where that would end, buddy, so I'm going to have to go with, uh, AJ, get on up here, buddy. All right, give AJ a hand. Listen, I tried to give someone else a hand. Yes, I need you to bring you in your wallet. It's like real talk all over again. See, I gave anyone a chance to partner with me today, anyone. <laughs> all right, AJ, you need help. Let's take a look at this. We would have asked Clint. His is bursting the seams, but he's running behind the camera, and frankly, there's no helping him. Uh, this is pretty good, though. This is pretty, pretty organized. Are all of the cards in here up to date? I don't think so. Okay, great. So I'm going to help you out. I got prepared with my organizer. This is a trash can. All right, man. Give him a hand. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You're going to let me throw. Is that good? Does that work? Yeah, yeah it works for me. <laughs> now, let me tell you why I know you're lying. Because now I want to call your bluff. If I, if I literally tie this up and I take it to the dumpster, you're telling me you're content with that. Don't try to guess the lesson, man. You're, this is where you're going wrong. I'm asking you. Okay, this is why I needed someone else. My bad, Drew. So in all seriousness, that's, my, that's organized. It's away from you. The trash is in the trash. Yeah, you don't need it. Okay, what is important in here that you need? Uh, debit card. Debit card. Is this your debit card? Yep. Flash that to camera. Just kidding. You want to hold that for a second? Great. This will help. There you go. I trashed the debit card. <laughs> So now I can just see it joins the rest of the stuff in the trash. By the way, this is a legitimate trash can. It's filled with trash. I just want everyone to know, like, I, this is not clean. There is actual trash in here. No? What else do you need in here? All righty. No cash, I see. Uh, <laughs> need your driver's license. All right. Huh? No, you don't. You can't afford that. You can't. <laughs> I know, I know you do well. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Give him a hand. I'm just kidding. Here, you can take 
Why, in all seriousness, why, why was that stupid? Why would that be stupid? Because it's not organized, though. That's true. But, so, so you're upset. The, the only reason you're upset is because this wallet was not organized still. And it was in the trash. Okay, that's what I thought. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Before. Now we're getting somewhere. This, the problem is you tried to guess where I was going. And this is why I was terrible because I'm unpredictable. And they don't make sense. So here's the thing. And I need you to just pretend you don't know me for a second. And like you would act like a normal person. I know. That's going to be hard. What? So you didn't want me to throw it in the trash. Why? In all seriousness. I'm dumb. So just talk, talk me through it. Because this is valuable to me and I need it. It's valuable to you because of, but I stomped on the stuff. I spit on it. Mm-hmm. It's still valuable. Okay. That's it. Give me a hand. Here, take this trash can with you. <laughs> that went about as well as I thought it would. <laughs> Listen, <clears throat> the reality is um, I could have taken the wallet, I could have taken the debit card, the license. AJ, just scream up here. What, anything else in there you really needed? Uh, stuff out, and I throw it in the trash. In that case, you may not have been really happy you had to get a new wallet, but you would have been okay. Why? I'll just handle it from here. Go back to your regular schedule. Yeah, the reality is if I take the valuable things out, then it's okay if I throw the rest of it away, right? Bottom line, I will never choose AJ again. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the truth is, had I taken that out, and yeah, it's a silly example, but I want to make a point. If I would have taken the debit cards out, taken the license out, taken his, he didn't have a social security card in there, I looked, I was going to steal his identity. Anyway, uh, if I'd taken cash, had there been any, and all of that, and set it aside and thrown that away, though it would have been an inconvenience, it wouldn't have mattered as much because I set apart the stuff that matters. I set apart what's valuable from the stuff that's not as valuable. Make sense? We set apart the good stuff in our life. There are things, if I go into your house, your room, your car, that are in places of honor. There are. For instance, that's why a lot of you didn't raise your hand about your purses or your wallets, because you didn't want me to go through it. That's fair. You put stuff that's valuable in there. Why? Because you can keep it close to you all the time, right? No one's going to steal it. You know where it's at. Unless you're me, you lose everything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the reality is you keep, you set apart important things and put them in a special place. You don't mix things. You don't mix common things and new things, and you might for a time, but the bottom line is there comes a time and a point where like, yeah, I want both of these, but if I have to choose, I'm going to choose this because of its value. It doesn't matter if I stomp on his debit card, that's gro- I, spit, I didn't really spit on it, but had I, even though that's gross, it doesn't change the fact that that debit card still works. I would have had to break it. Someone literally wanted me to break your debit card, by the way, right? <clears throat> we set apart the good stuff. Why? Because it's valuable and it has worth. It's valuable and it has worth. Now, here's where I lose the Christians. I see what he's doing here. We're valuable. Stay with me. Many things in life, like the debit card, okay, and his, and his license, but to a bigger degree, many things in life have a value that isn't dependent on outside circumstances or past circumstances. Those of you that have kids, I don't mean to be uh, morbid here, but let's talk about it. If something, Lord forbid, ever happened to your kid and they lost an arm or a leg, you don't then throw your kid away. Right? You don't say, well, I'm done with you. You lost a finger. You're no longer valuable to me. Because their value isn't dependent on their circumstances. Their value isn't dependent on whether they put their finger in the light socket. Right? Recently, I found out Miles did this. Makes sense. Right? Right? In all seriousness, twice. Yeah, there you go. They don't throw him away because his value doesn't come from what he's done or what's been done to him. That's important. 
Now, there's a difference between knowing something here. Cradle, cradle to grave Christians, God bless you. You are blessed if you were raised in a Christian home, and I mean that as a guy who wasn't. You are blessed. But sometimes your struggle can be is putting it from here to here to where it actually means something beyond the words. In Christ, let me ask this. Do you know what God sees when he looks at you? Yeah, Jesus. So what does that mean? Are oh, you ready for that answer? He didn't any hesitation on Jesus, right? The, the truth is, he's mad at me. No, wait later. Listen, what does he see when he looks at you? He sees Jesus, which means what? He sees the good stuff, right? He sees the valuable stuff. He sees the stuff that matters. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter what happens to you. And it doesn't matter what's going to happen to you. Your value isn't dependent on you. Your value was already purchased by Christ. That's great, Todd. What does that mean? I know for a fact, because I am blessed to know a lot of you privately, comparatively, right? I know a lot of your lives. If I had to say and put on a, on a wall the number one thing hindering most of you, it's your inability or unwillingness to understand your value. Because if you know your value, you're going to act like your value. Why do guys, when they have that beautiful car, right, retired, some of you aren't retired, and they got that fancy, you know, convertible, whatever car you want, and they cover it, right, and they wash it, and they take care of it. Why? Because it has value. It matters. They don't just drive that out day to day, do they? They take it out on the nice sunny days. You can always tell when it's a nice day in Indiana, right, because then all the fancy cars are out on the road. We're not like you if you're in Californians or something, okay? We've got like a, two days of sun here, and you got to make sure that you, you get it. Yeah, that's what you do. You take it out. It's set apart. It's special. You don't mix it with the rest of the stuff. You take special care of it. God sees the good stuff. Well, how can that be, Todd? I know what I do. I know what I did. I know what I'm doing. Isn't that funny in Christianity? You know what we'll talk about a lot? Your past doesn't define you. That's true. Your future's secure, great. But see, some of us are like, but what, what about now? My present doesn't feel very secure, and my present doesn't feel very good, and I'm doing some pretty silly things here in the present. Right? Did you know God still sees the good stuff? Because if he sees Jesus, if that's where your value comes from, how does it matter what happens, what you do or don't do. Do you think God, take a second, I'm going to do one of those dramatic pauses. Do you think God only sees what you've been? If some of you are really honest, and I don't expect you to do this, you'd be saying, yeah, you do. You think you are only what you've been. You are only that dark thing that you don't tell anyone. That struggle you have at night when no one's looking. The truth you know that no one else does, and that defines you. And you do your best to hide it and you lock it in the closet. But the truth is, it still defines you. But in Christ, it doesn't have to. Because it's just a lie. Today, we're going to look at what God sees as the good stuff. Here's another word, holy. You are holy. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe you're holy? If I put a lie detector on you, are you a holy? Are you holy? I already see it, right? Some of you are on. No, you don't feel holy. You're not holy. And here's, here's some blunt truth. Your actions, many of you perform actions that aren't holy. The actions aren't. But that doesn't define whether or not you are holy. 
You are holy. Why? Because he says so. Do you believe that? It's tough to imagine. It's tough to imagine that God, knowing these things we do, have done, are doing, still sees us as holy, still sees the good stuff, even though we don't, and sometimes, a lot of times, the people around us don't, right? The truth is people can only go by what they see. They shouldn't, but that's the truth. So sometimes people are going to judge us based on what we've done because that's natural human. They shouldn't. As believers, we should push through that. But even when that happens, your worth isn't changed. Well, let me chuck it all out because someone else says it isn't valuable. Someone else says it isn't holy. It isn't good. And here's the other side to this. See, some people in the room today, they take that to mean then it doesn't matter what I do. And that's wrong too. Because then you are taking for granted God's grace. The Bible warns against that. Right? If you have your Bibles, and you should, listen, I'm, becoming, I'm, I'm, I'm technologically advanced. I'm technically a millennial. I'm not a Gen Z, but I'm a millennial. And I'm going to tell you this have a Bible, get a, an actual hard Bible. Why? Because you can write things in it and underline it. And, yeah, use your phone. That's great. But it's good to have a Bible, guys, in general. Just another little minor, minor thing for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When you got it, say, I got it. I haven't done that in a while, have I? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are gone, and look, new things have come. So what does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. Here's blunt truth. This is either true or it isn't true. And if it's true, then it means what you've done doesn't define you. Because that's gone. Is that a one-time thing? No, it's over and over again. 1 Peter 2.9 but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's nice. That's just words, though, right? God's just using flowery language. He's God. He knew what he meant when he said it chosen race. You weren't an accident. He didn't get all the good people, kind of sweep them into a bag, and he grabbed a couple of you, you know, the bad apples in. He's like, yeah, they're already in there. I'll just leave them. No, he chose you. He chose you. A royal priesthood. You're a high priest. Do you act like it? Now, your identity doesn't change. You're a royal priest, but are you a good royal priest? See what I'm saying? Do you live out of that? 1 Peter 2.5, it's actually before, but I want to make a point. And yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Y'all spoiled. See, ancient Jewish people would have come to you and been like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You get to actually worship God in his presence? That doesn't make any sense. Like we were separated, right? They had God was behind, was behind, was in the holy of holies. It was a place that only the high priest could go, and then only if he's perfectly right. And here he's saying, "You 
are now the high priest. We lose something in that translation from the old, from, uh, the old days and Old Testament and Jewish ways till now. We're like, oh, that's nice. No, you don't get it. They would have gotten it. You are a high priest. They would have gone, whoa, that's one person. You're a high priest. For what? Being built into a spiritual house. What's another word for a spiritual house? A church, a temple. For what purpose? For a holy priesthood. You guys are all holy priests. To do what? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's acceptable to God. It doesn't have to be perfect sacrifice. It doesn't have to always um, look the greatest. It's your willingness to give it. And through Christ, it makes it acceptable. Not every sacrifice was acceptable to God. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Stop. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? It means Holy Spirit, you're the temple. Now where are you taking God? Do you live like that? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. Oof. You, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Whoa. Man. You have a purpose, a value. It's not just to live how you want, to do what you want. It's to live up to the calling, to the identity you've been given. It's funny, a lot of, uh, a lot of people want to call out pastors all the time. People leave it, oh, he doesn't say it right, and he said poop, and he uh, sang weird, and he made fun of someone, and he's got a bad, path, blah, blah, blah. You know what's funny? What if I came and said, boy, you are a terrible high priest based on your actions. But Todd, pastors are held to a higher standard. That's true, but it doesn't change the fact that you are a high priest. How is your standard? I'm not above you. A pastor's not above you. We're just the mouth, maybe, on the body, right? It's not even a very important part, right? <laughs> and, I, and we should. Okay, the point of that's not to, that we shouldn't hold them to the standard, but I'm asking you, do you take yourself, do you even hold yourself to the standard you hold a pastor to? Do you even do that in your own heart when God himself is saying you're a high priest? Now, I'm not here to shame you, right? Because the truth is I want you to understand your identity is secure. That doesn't change. You fail sometimes. God doesn't look at you and go, oh, you're a failure, high priest. This is for yourself. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as the one, capital O, who is that? Jesus, God, yeah. But as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be as holy as your Christian buddy. Be as holy as your Christian college. Be as holy as your church is. Be as holy as your family is. Be as holy as your wife and your spouse. Be as holy as your best friend. Be as holy as the pastor on TV. Be as holy as your pastor. No, be holy as I am holy. Who is I? God. So I've already told you your identity. You are a priest. You're chosen. That can never be changed. But with that comes a responsibility to live out of that. That's why I brought the pastor thing up. You wouldn't let a pastor smoke pot up here, I would hope, right? Actually, I know you wouldn't. Some of you won't even let me wear tennis shoes without getting mad, right? You're not going to, well, how dare he? How dare you, high priest? You have a responsibility to live like it. 
not to gain your identity, not to gain your position, but because of your position. You are what you are. That's a subtle difference, but it's so important. You don't do it, you don't act holy, right, to stay holy. You are holy because of Christ, and because you are holy, you should act holy. Ready for my remnant example that you hear all the time? Apple trees grow apples. Christians should be holy and grow good deeds. They should be holy. Because of what? Because that's what they are. I've been talking to the younger folks in the room lately because I think it's important. They've given up hope in you guys in the church. Your generation doesn't, doesn't seem to care about God. It's all about you, right? Elevating yourself. Who's the most important? Me, 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 how I feel. You need to hear this. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, you are a high priest. Act like it. Be about it. Don't let people, don't let people change your identity. Even yourself. Number 12. Number 12. It's the verse. <laughs> Colossians 3.12. Therefore, God's chosen ones. There it is again. Well, that must be important. Anytime God repeats himself, it's kind of like him underlining. Get it? Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved. There it is. First two weeks. You are loved and you are holy. He doesn't say, you better do this or you're not going to be. He doesn't say, you know, this, your position of being holy and, and loved is dependent on what's coming next. He's saying, this is what you are. You are God's chosen ones, holy and loved. Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You want me to give you the Todd, Todd uh, translation here? Don't talk about it. Be about it. Do these things and act like what you are. Not when you feel like it. That's who you are. I have two main points today. But I have a list for you. I got you. But before I get it, I'll, I'll wrap it up. I just get so excited. Here's the list. What does it mean that God sees us as the good stuff? I love that. Man, that's the good stuff. Right? You ever do that? It's like peanut butter. Like, I love peanut butter. You're like, Todd, what are you talking about? I got a point. I love peanut butter. But not all peanut butters are created equal. Did you know this? They're not. Did you give me amen on that? <laughs> Nathan has never said amen to that. It's true, though, right? Not all peanut butters are created the same. Now, I could go on to a sermon about peanut butter. I've tried many. All right, I'm actually not a snob. There are some generic brands that are very tasty. Okay? However... There are some brands that are not. And so there's a difference, right? You eat a nice peanut butter sandwich, that's the good stuff, right? That's the good stuff. That is not. What does it mean that God sees you as the good stuff? The stuff that he would choose. If, do you understand that? If there was another choice, he still picks you. Oh, there's a line. Hmm, I'm going to pick a Josh, right? That's the good stuff. Number one, our past is gone. The new has come. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is something I'm kind of known as, I don't know, a lot of past people say that I hate the church. So if this is the only time I get to see you, you might as well know that. I don't hate the church, capital C. I love the church. I just think the church should be what it says it is. And here's the thing. One of the things that we struggle with in Christianity sometimes is, boy, do we make the past so important. 
I don't mean your testimony. Your testimony's cool, right? That's the thing you use to glorify God. I'm talking about, man, like we judge people a lot by their past. And if you don't know, the present becomes the past one minute later, two seconds later, one second later. And it's like, ah, that's who you are because that's what you've done. Man, and we're okay with it. We're okay with that. You're okay with it. Because you'd rather hide in your house than be real while complaining about the church. That used to be me. Well, I'm not going to be a part of it because they're not real, but I'm going to hide at home and not be real because they can't handle my realness. That's an excuse, right? The past is gone. It doesn't matter what anyone says from a pulpit, from a stage, from TV. I don't care if your professor says it. I don't care who it says. The reality is God's word trumps the rest, and he just told you. It's gone. Behold, the new has come. Sometimes, well, yeah, yeah. Or, or here's what we'll do. We'll say, yeah, the past is gone pre-Christ. But once you become a Christian, you're not allowed to do anything wrong. Right? That's a lie. You don't think he knew that dumb thing you were going to do when he chose you. Think about that for a minute. He knew. Don't let people tell you that. Your past is gone. The new has come. Take a second and let that sink in. Number two, it means that our identity is secure. We are holy because he has made us holy. Your identity is secure. Nothing can change it. Now that is, because <gasps> some of you are like, yeah, I know most things can't, Todd, but what about X, Y, Z? You mean like ejecting Christ? Peter did it. You mean murdering Christians? Paul did it, right? Well, he's talkative now. After <laughs> It means that our identity is secure. We are holy because he has made us holy. This is such a crucial thing. You're, I'm already losing some of you. Do you. You are holy, period, because your holiness is dependent on Christ. So the moment you say, I'm not holy, you let someone identify and say you are not enough, not holy, not good, not your actions, you as a person. There's a difference between an action and an identity. When someone tells your identity is not holy, what they're really saying is Jesus isn't holy. Christ's sacrifice on the cross didn't cover that. Did you know that, guys? There was a little, a little thing when you sign up to be a Christian that says, excluding. No. We are secure. Let that sink in. What about if I don't like me? What if I don't think I'm holy? Are you God? No. Number three, it means that you are valuable. No matter how you feel, right, you are valuable. Why? Because your value comes from Christ. It's already bought. It's secure. You are a temple of God. You're a holy priesthood. All of those things are not dependent on you. They can't be. There would be none. Right? If, if the Bible tells us that our best actions are like filthy rags as compared to the Lord, would anybody be holy on this earth if it had always depended on yourself? No, the answer is no. Number four, don't let the words of others be louder than the word of God. It's one of those podium-throwing moments, I'm telling you right now, because a lot of times people, we just it's natural human nature. I wish I could tell you that it won't hurt when someone says you're not who you say you are, you're not uh, who God says you are, but the reality is that's going to happen. But you can't let those words be louder than God's because if so, you'll never accomplish anything. There's always going to be someone 
that thinks you're not enough, that thinks you're not good, that thinks you're not a real Christian, that's going to call you things, X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter who you are. Number five, don't settle for good enough. Strive to be his good stuff, holy as he is holy. The tendency is we tend to think as long as I'm as holy as the guy next to me, girl next to me, my environment, that's good enough. No, your actions should always strive to be like who? Jesus. Guys, this, this is one of those things that's like, yeah, that makes sense, but you're not really thinking. Because maybe I'll bring it to me, then you'll feel better. I do that. I say it's really easy for me to say, well, as long as I am even subconsciously better than this, then I'm good. When that's not the standard. Right? We've got some random people that went to Christian colleges around here. There's a lot of you, so I'm not singling you out. So you're a great example. Man, all those people at those Christian colleges really act holy, don't they? Uh -huh, I see everybody going, mm-hmm. No, they don't. But, but that's the game, right? What if that was who you aim to be? Some people do that. Some people are really good at being as holy as, as the Christian organization is, but it falls woefully short of God. Remember, well, Todd, you just told me my value. I didn't say your identity, but your actions. You should strive to be like Jesus, not the guy next to you, not the girl next to you. Not with a pressure to make yourself holy, but as a reflection of your holiness, which in turn points people to whose holiness? God. Why are you different? You know, God has said from, I was going to have like 45 different verses here because even in the Old Testament, God said, I have chosen you. I have set you apart. I have consecrated you. That's what it means. You are not like the rest. But in modern Christianity, we have this thing where like, we want to be cool Christian. Yeah, you do. I'll be a cool Christian, right? It's cool to be Christian. So I'm going to like do enough things to be Christian, but like edgy enough to be in the world. Right? That's not the goal. That's not the goal. Here's a tangible life lesson for some of you young, young folks as well. Listen, you want to be cool? Just be secure in who you are. Most people are by nature followers. Bottom line. They will follow and respond to someone who's secure in who they are. Quit worrying about fitting in the crowd. The crowd turned on Jesus. Don't settle for good enough. The standard of holiness is not the people around you. It's God himself. Number six, every day when you wake up, choose to be and live like God's chosen ones. All right, how do I put this into words? If you had a camera on you 24-7, right? If you had a camera on you 24-7 and it was a new um, reality show, and the show was, here's Jesus, and it was following your life. You guys want to see the perfect example of God's chosen one? Here it is. How much of your day would you be ashamed of? For me, more than I, than I want. So because you are God's chosen one, because you are holy, a priesthood, you are valuable, set apart, you're the good stuff, you should act like it. Right? Does this make sense? We have standards. The higher the position in life, we have standards, right? A CEO, if I say CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you have a picture in your head already. 
He's probably wearing a suit. How many of you? Raise your hand if he was wearing a suit. Oh, why? Okay, how many of you was he naked? You weirdos, exactly. <laughs> My point is, he has a standard, right? We have a standard for a CEO. He doesn't wake up, look in the mirror, and you go, well, I'm going to walk into work naked. Right? If he does, he won't have a job. Why? Now, if he were, this is going to sound weird, stay with me. If he were a male stripper, okay, that's not as big a deal from the world's standards. You go into work dressed as, as your job. But the truth is, what are you then? You are higher than a CEO. You are God's chosen one. Are you acting like, when you look in the mirror, guys, I want to be a guy and I don't do this. I want to wake up. I want to open my eyes. I want to thank God. I want to stand up, look in the mirror before I go out. God, help me to be and live like someone you've chosen. Do you wake up and live like God's chosen ones? Number seven, this is really important. You matter to God. I know you've heard it before, but there's a reason why God makes pastors and people in his word over and over and over have to tell you because you struggle to believe it. You know, we're in a fallen world where we don't walk, right, with God like we did in Eden. We will someday. He's with us all the time, but where we can, it's different, and so it's easy to doubt. Are you really there? Do I really matter? Do you really hear me? You do. The price that he paid for you shows your value. He chose you, the good stuff. He separated it from the rest, and he said, this is my child. I love you. You are holy. You are good. You're a high priest. You're a temple. Act like my son or daughter. Act like it. What if the world doesn't think I'm cool? They won't. They killed Jesus. Now, that scares some of you. I'm not saying they're going to kill you. They might. Man, we talk a big game, don't we? Someone had a gun to my head. I'd say I follow Jesus. Come on. Some, sometimes we don't even change the way we talk. And then we wonder why people go, wait. You know what's a scary thing? I, I think it can be cool. It can be cool if someone says, wait, you're a Christian. What do you mean? Well, you're really loving and kind, and they're usually snotty. But if they go, wait, you're a Christian? And you're like, why? Oh, you just don't act like one at all. That should be a concern. You can't. Pick and choose. Are you God's chosen holy one? Have you put your faith in Christ? If so, right, you got to turn your back on the rest of that junk. You matter to God. She's going to come play some music. I need you guys to, to think about this. Do you know that you're the good stuff? You didn't, like, have to settle, right? Like you're talking about peanut butter. Sometimes you just got to settle for what you get because you just love peanut butter like me, all right? And I'll eat any peanut butter. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if no peanut butter is the worst option. I know way too long about peanut butter. The point is, you're the good stuff, though, right? You're the choice. Do you believe and know that you're the good stuff, that if you put your faith in Christ, if you're in this room and you put your faith in Christ, talking to you right now first that you have been chosen well that's not possible I know this person left me and I had a spouse that turned away from me and my parents don't care and my, and my children don't care and my works doesn't see me and on and on and on how can God you have been chosen you have been picked up you have been set aside you have been consecrated 
Have you ever let yourself think about the fact that you're actually a high priest? I get fired up, man, even for the people. The reason I always say, listen to this, pay attention, open and take your Christian earmuffs off. Because sometimes I'm like, some of you all, man, like, I don't know about you, but if it isn't real, I don't want to play this game. It's just, it's just not fun. Have you ever let yourself think about the fact that you're actually a high priest, that you're a temple of the living God, that you're holy and good? Your past doesn't define you. Even when the world tries to make it define you, it doesn't. Their words don't define you. You are defined by your maker, and he says that you're the good stuff. And maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I, I hear that, but I haven't been living like it. Well, why don't you make today the day that you choose to live and act like the holy, chosen, beloved child of God you are? Walk in that confidence. You can have some swag, right? You know who your father is. Let today be the day that you walk out and walk like you are who you are and like you are what you are, which is the good stuff. Not to be it, but because you are it. For those of you in the room that don't know Jesus or maybe that person that's like, man, I've played the game pretty good, but I don't really know if I've put my faith in him. It's a terrifying place to be. Not even from a spiritual death place, which we'll get to, but from the very fact that, man, isn't your life a roller coaster? As you put your identity and value on thing after thing, and it crashes, and you got to find another one, right? And it crashes, and you find another one. That's really, really exhausting. gospel is good news because this is what it means. When we chose to walk away from God, when we turned away from him, when sin entered this world, that's the natural consequence of saying, I don't want God. When we are cut off from God, when we say we don't want him, we're like a dead branch from a tree. We just die. We wither. If you're without Christ, you're just a chopped off limb of a tree dying. It might take you 70, 80 years, but you're dead already. beauty of the gospel is in that moment when we were helpless, when we weren't good enough, we, we couldn't earn our way back to him, he came to us. That's what Jesus did. God came down in the form of a man, right? God made flesh. He told us how to live, reminded us of who we are, and then did the most amazing thing. He bridged a way for us to come home to him. He grafted the limb back on the tree. He made us whole and healthy. He cleansed us. He gave us an identity that no one can ever take away. He's willing to take the price, right, the punishment for the things that I talked about earlier that you're ashamed of. He has already taken it. Now, here's the deal. You do have a part in this. In order to have that benefit, you have to accept the truth. And the truth is without him that you're dead, that without him you're on your own, without him you're hopeless. You have to turn away from your, your sad, sick attempts to have life in a dead world doing dead things, that's what repentance is. I understand, God, that this isn't going to get me anywhere. I may not get it all, but I put my faith in you. I trust you. Jesus said this. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth existed. It's a fact. Don't even argue that. So who was he? C.S. Lewis, I'm going to say it every time. Liar or lunatic or the son of God. If he is the son of God, and he is, then I have some really good news. That if you're in the room and you are one of those dead branches, you know it. 
can have life again. Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he was raised from the dead. He conquered death so that you too can conquer death. So how do you, how do you get that? This is important because it's not you can't religion your way out of it. You can't be pretty good. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart, you got to say it and believe it, that Jesus Christ, paraphrase, is who he said he was. That he died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. If you believe that, you'll be saved. Period. Please hear me. I was in a room like this. I say it every week. A lot of you, you, you stop hearing it. And that's okay. But all it takes is that person that hasn't heard it because I was that person. I was the person, 18 years old, that didn't know him. As someone said this to if you're that person, don't walk out here today without having life again. There's people up here that will be willing to pray for you. If you're a person in the room, you need prayer for anything. There's people willing to pray for you. You can pray at your seat. This is altar time. This is your time to respond to God and however he's calling you to respond. But whatever you do, respond. Because if you leave the same way you came in, you're choosing to.